Uh, Pastor Zach made note, we are starting a new series tonight. I'm excited about it. It's going to be great. But uh, just have a quick follow-up announcement to the, the whole move to Lacuna next week, next Sunday. Um, two things real quick. Three things, actually. Forgive me. First, um, I, I can't tell you how amazing God is in the fact that he's just uh, giving us a space for Sunday morning, something that we uh, have prayed about, we've asked God to do, we've waited upon him to do it, and he's doing only what he can do, to be honest with you. I promise you, if you knew uh, of the story, um, if you knew how it all worked out, basically we, we found out back in March, I think, that we have to be out of this room because they're turning this into classrooms. And so uh, I made mention of that the next week here in service, and God, uh, you guys don't think God's doing stuff in your life, just just look to the people that he brings around to you. I promise you. That's a, that's a good way sometimes to know, man, God, you're still working. You brought some people into my life, man, that I didn't even, I didn't even know existed. And uh, there, there was a, a, a moment where I shared with the church, and I asked you guys to pray, and this church prays. And um, to be frank, this is going to sound really bad, but uh, we didn't really need to pray after that Sunday night. I'm kidding. It was a terrible joke. Um, we did. But I felt like our prayers were answered right then and there when we gathered as a church and we started praying that night for the next space. God brought us a man, an amazing man, Captain George. George is here. George, just stand so everyone knows you, please. He hates this. So please, please. He's a legend, truly a legend. Served how many years? 30-something? 30 years in the Chicago Fire Department, was a captain there. Just an incredible testimony to God's faithfulness, what he does. And he walked right up to me. Came up to me that night and said, brother, basically I'm paraphrasing in my language, uh, brother, we got it handled. I was like, what? You don't, I don't even know you. He's like, we got it under control. We got a space for you. And truthfully, that's how the conversation happened. He truthfully was a, a gift from God, and we say thank you to you tonight. I want to publicly thank you. He hates every minute of this, and I love every minute of it because honor is due where honor is due. I'm telling you so we can thank George for his obedience. It's not his... Because who he is and how he's connected, it was his obedience to hear the Spirit say, go talk to that young man, that young pastor that is going to be homeless as a church in a few months that needs help. So we thank you. We honor you. Um, so, And then, second thing, I know we mentioned this. If you're from Chicago, you live in the city, but even if you don't, you're just passing through, these were all on your seats. You may be sitting on one of them right now. You may not even know it. These cards right here, these are our way to just spread the news. Hand them to the barista in the coffee shop. Leave it on the counter. Leave it in your Uber driver's back seat. Whatever the case may be. This is the way for us to get the word out that we're moving. We know that this is going to take time and people are going to catch it. But this is just one small tangible way that we can just say, hey, we're moving to this spot. It has the address on there, parking, all that stuff. So be praying um, for us. If you, if you visit Oasis, if you come every so often, just pray that as we make this move that God's in it and God moves and he brings a lot more people that need to hear about Jesus. Amen. Amen. There's parking next week. So if you drive, there's a parking lot there. There's going to be people out there with the flags and everything. So we know where to go. There's going to be an entrance way, just giving you some, some housekeeping stuff so you know where to walk in. There will be some flags to where to walk in. There's a coffee shop that you're going to pass through. Buy some coffee. It's a good place. It's a good place. They're amazing people. Buy some coffee there, but then come on through to service. I'm telling you, it's one of the coolest buildings I've ever been a part of. It's not typical church building. I'll just make that known. There's some art on the wall. We, we, it's crazy. It's crazy awesome how cool. It is one of the hottest spots in the city right now. When I tell people where we're moving to church, they're like, what? I'm like, yeah, Lacuna Artist Office. They're like, how did you get in there? I'm like, don't worry about it, man. I got a special agent. It's not George. It's the Holy Spirit. Praise God. George is also his sidekick. So, but, uh, so I just wanted to give some, some announcements 
um, and honor where honor was due. Amen? Tonight, uh, we just finished these past few weeks the sermon series titled The In-Between. Anybody encouraged by the In-Between series? The, the moment of the promise and the promise being fulfilled, just the waiting on God. And as I was waiting on God to figure out, what do I say next to these people, amazing people that want to grow deep roots, amen? Who wants to grow deep roots with God? Amen. Uh, the, the story of Joseph jumped out at me as I was reading in my time, and um, I just had this, this, this feeling that, you know what, this is what we're going to discover. Many of you know the, the story of Joseph, whether you've read the scriptures or you've seen the, the Broadway musical. What is it, The Coat of Many Colors? I don't even know what the Broadway... I, I, I saw it. I think I saw it. It was awesome. Maybe. I don't remember. But this story, I'm telling you, Joseph is one of my favorite characters in the Bible. I'm not talking about Joseph, Jesus' dad. I'm talking about Joseph, Old Testament dude. This dude, man, I'm telling you, we're going to discover just what he had to walk through in life and what he did. But the stuff that he went through, the trials that he went through, let me just make this very clear here. He never wavered in his faith. If you hear nothing else, this dude, if there's a dude in the Bible that could say, you know what? I've gone through some stuff. I've experienced some stuff that's really hurts me. And, man, crazy. If there's one dude, I think, in the Bible that could be like, God's not good, it could have been him. But he just kept pursuing God. He kept running after God. And church, let me just say this. That's our prayer. That's my prayer as your pastor for you. That no matter what comes at you, no matter what's in front of you, you're just going to keep pursuing God relentlessly and saying, I'm going after it. And so I just discovered that the sermon titled, I think it's up there. The pit, the sermon series titled The Pit, The Prison, and The Palace. Tonight we're going to discover him in the pit, Joseph in the pit. So if you have your Bibles, you can open them up to the Old Testament. Genesis, first book in the Bible, very first book. It'll be on the screen. We're going to read a, a, a heavy amount of scripture. Is that all right, church? I'm going to read some scripture. We're going to read the Bible, pray, and get out of here. Just kidding, I'm going to preach a little bit. But it's a lot of scripture, but I just want to give some story. Joseph. It's Genesis 37, verse 3. It'll be up on the screen. I'm going to start reading because it's a lot, but it's awesome. Now Israel, that's Joseph's father, loved Joseph more than any of his other sons because he had been born to him in an old age. And he made him an ornate robe for him. That's that robe of colors that we all like go and see and watch. When his brothers saw that his father loved him more than any of them, they hated them, him and could not speak a kind word to him. Joseph had a dream, and when he told it to his brothers, they hated him all the more. He said to them, listen to this dream I had. We were binding sheaves of grain out in the field when suddenly my sheaf rose and stood upright, while your sheaves gathered around mine and bowed down to it. Uh, if my brother said that who's in the room tonight, I'd hit him. Okay, so rightfully so. These dudes are like, um, excuse me, I'm, you're the little one, and you're telling us we're going to bow down to you? We'll get there. His brother said to him, do you intend to reign over us? Will you actually rule us? And they hated him all the more because of this dream and what he had said. Then he had another dream. Joseph, come on, bro. And he told it to his brothers. Listen, he said, I had another dream. And this time the sun and the moon and the 11 stars were bowing down to me. So not only are you going to bow down, but the whole universe is going to bow down to me. Excuse me, bro, I'm going to punch you again. It's my version. When his father, and when he told his father as well and his brothers, his father rebuked him and said, What is this dream you had? Will your mother and I and your brothers actually come and bow down to the ground before you? His brothers were jealous of him, but his father kept the matter in mind. Jump down to verse 17. Fast forward, Joseph is not out working with his brothers, so his dad sends him out to go see him. His dad says, go find your brothers. They're out there working. So 
Joseph shows up, and he's looking for his brothers. Verse 17, he says to him, uh, man, where are my brothers? And it says this, they have moved on from here, the man answered. I heard them say, let's go down, let's go to Dorthin. So Joseph went after his brothers and found them near Dorthin. But they saw him in the distance, and before he reached them, they plotted to kill him. Great brothers. Here comes that dreamer, they said to each other. Come. Now let's kill him and throw him into one of these cisterns and say that a ferocious animal devoured him. Then we'll see what comes of his dreams. Mm. When Reuben heard this, he tried to rescue him from their hands. Reuben's the oldest brother. Let's not take his life, he said. Don't shed any blood. Throw him into the cistern here in the wilderness, but don't lay a hand on him. Reuben said this to rescue him from them and take him back to the father. Verse 23, so then Joseph came to his brothers. They stripped him of the robe and the ornate robe he was wearing. And they took him and they threw him into the cistern. The cistern was empty. There was no water in it. As they sat down to eat their meal, so they're eating a meal now while their brother's in the pit. That's how crazy these dudes were. Not crazy anybody else, just me. They throw their brother, younger brother, into a pit. Now they're sharing a meal together. Can you imagine Joseph probably like, hey guys, I'm here. You want to throw something down here? I'm hungry. I'm here. You put me in here. They're having a meal. Anyways, that's just how I read scripture. They looked up and saw a caravan of Ishmaelites coming from Gilead. Their camels were loaded with spices, balm, and myrrh, and they were on their way to take them down to Egypt. Judah said to his brothers, what will we gain if we kill our brother and cover up his blood? Come, let's sell him to the Ishmaelites and not lay our hands on him after all. He is our brother, our own flesh and blood. His brothers agreed. So when the Midianites merchants came by, his brothers pulled Joseph up out of the cistern and sold him for 20 shekels of silver to the Ishmaelites, who took him to Egypt. When Reuben returned to the cistern and saw that Joseph was not there, he tore his clothes. He went back to his brothers and said, "Where the boy isn't there. Where can I turn now? Then they got Joseph's robe, slaughtered a goat, and dipped in the robe in blood. They took the ornate robe back to their father and said, we found this. Examine it to see whether it is your son's robe. He recognized it and said, it is my son's robe. Some ferocious animal has devoured him. Joseph has surely been torn to pieces. Then Jacob, his father, tore his clothes, put on sackcloth, and mourned for his sons, for his son many days. Father, this is your word. We thank you for it. We trust you to speak to us. God, just open up hearts, open up ears. Holy Spirit, speak through me. Have your way in this place. We thank you for such a mighty example of Joseph. Father, may we learn and discover how to be more like you through it. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Joseph, the pit, the prison, to the palace. Have you ever uh, shared something that you shouldn't share? Have you ever received information and then shared it right away that you shouldn't share? Anybody? A lot of us. Have you ever said something that maybe you shouldn't share right away? Have you maybe had to maybe look back and said, man, I should have never said that. It's funny, my parents are here tonight, and they surprised us and came down. I came up from the suburbs, and I had this in my notes before I was sharing this story. And I told my mom right before I'm about to share a story, she said, if you share this story, I'm going to hurt you. I said, Mom, it's in the notes. i got to do it. I have to do it. I have no other story to share. So we're sharing the story. So, amen. <laughs> so there was a point where me and my brother were teenagers, and uh, we were in the kitchen one day, and she had to deal with teenager boys. That's hard. All the moms in the rooms are like, yeah, it's, it's hard. It's hard to deal with teenagers in general, period. I get that. But there was a, a point where my brother wasn't really uh, learning the art of just not saying something he shouldn't say. And I was really in the, in the phase of life where I was encouraging it. You know what I'm saying? I've been there. Pray for me. I was encouraging to say stuff that I would know better not to say, but he would say it. It was awesome. And there was a point where I don't even remember what got him to this point or what, 
made this situation happen so fast. It escalated so quickly. I don't even know what happened. That all of a sudden, my brother shouted out these words to my mother. And they're not church appropriate. They're not really bad. But they're the words, shut up. He said, shut up to my mother. So my father's here. He's a big man. He's on a crutch because he just had ACL meniscus surgery, a little ACL repair and meniscus. He's a big dude. We knew better never to say those words to my mother, let alone raise our voice to our mother. We just knew better. He didn't know better in that moment. He says the words, shut up. And I remember my mom being like a superhero. She's on one side of the kitchen. My brother and me are on the other side of the kitchen. And she starts running. And it's in like slow motion in my brain because I'm like, this is about to happen. This is literally about to go down right here, right now. This is going to be epic. I wish I had a phone at that time. I didn't have a phone. It was back in the day. I had no cell phone. I had no way to tape it. And all of a sudden, my mom leaps over the kitchen table like one of these. And she hits my brother straight in the mouth, punched him straight in the teeth. It was awesome. I was like, yes, yes. <laughs> Woo, mom, yes. She's like, I broke my finger. She legitimately broke her finger. We love our parents. We have a great healthy house home. Don't worry. Didn't need to call DCFS. He should have been punched in the mouth. He should have. He said, shut up to my mom. My mom, it was the most epic thing I've ever seen. She's shaking her head. She's never going to come back to church after this moment. But he should have known better. We as people should know better that sometimes we just need to keep our mouth shut. That sometimes we should not say what's on our tongue. That sometimes we've received information or we receive some sort of insight and we don't need to go tell everybody. I tell you guys at times, it's better to not be a know-it-all. It's better to surround yourself and people in a room and not be the smartest person in the room. I promise you, as a leader in a church, as a leader of this amazing small church, I have made a statement, a point. Ask anybody that, that would agree with me. I have said, I don't want to be the smartest person in the room. I don't want to have everything to share. I don't want to have all of the knowledge. I want to sometimes just sit back and shut my mouth. See, this part of Joseph's story is amazing. This part of Joseph's story shows it's like the setup for where he's going, right? And, and let me just say this. These things had to happen, right? God is sovereign, and people will say, well, he had to go to the pit, and then he had to go to the prison to get to the palace. Yeah, I don't disagree with you. But like I've said before with Scripture, I just wonder what would have happened if maybe, just maybe, Joseph would have learned the art of discernment. The art of discernment to not tell your mother to shut up. The art of discernment to keep some things in you that don't need to be necessarily shared to everybody in that point. The art of discernment to say, it's better for me to just hold on to this than to go and tell the world. See, the art of discernment is the ability to judge and to have insight into the things of this world. It's the ability to judge and have insight. So discernment is amazing. It's powerful. There are things that I pray on the daily basis that I say, God, I want your wisdom and I want your discernment. Those two things will carry you throughout your life. I promise you. I, I pray that. Ask my wife. She, she hears it. I say, God, and I truly mean it because I'll be all right. If that's all he gives me is wisdom and discernment, I'll be all right. You'll be all right. But discernment is a hard thing to kind of understand. I'm still, I'm only 30. I don't have it all together. I don't ever think I will. 
But it's a hard thing to kind of navigate through. Having discerning, a discerning mind, a discerning heart. Discerning things that come at us is hard. Anybody else? It's hard. There's an art to it. There's an art to have the ability to say, you know what, I've received some insight. What do I do with this? See, some, some things pop out of me here in the scripture with, with Joseph. You know, he, he was a smart kid. See, as we read through this story, we're going to see that, that Joseph runs a kingdom. Joseph is chosen because he has the ability to interpret dreams. He's a smart guy. He was a smart guy as a teenager. He was a smart guy when he got to the palace. But see, Joseph really needed to learn, and I think that's why we're discovering this. Thank God that God puts people in the Bible for us to learn. Hello? We don't got to make the same mistakes as some people in the Bible. We can learn. But he shows us that Joseph's a, a dreamer. Right off the bat, Joseph has a dream. God speaks to Joseph through a dream. God speaks to you through dreams. I promise you, dreams and visions are amazing to have from God. And Joseph receives this dream. Joseph's a smart kid, runs a kingdom, rules a kingdom, but he doesn't have the wherewithal that scripture reads right before we get the dream. Does anybody remember what it says? He wasn't liked by his brothers. So there was some rift there between his brothers and him. There was some things there that were probably pretty evident. You all know, don't act like you don't act like this. When you don't like somebody, you see them walk in, you go like this, okay, I'm out. Don't act like you don't do it. You're like, no, we're holy and Christians. No, you're lying. You do it. But we have the... The, that time and that moment where we know someone doesn't maybe necessarily like us, maybe necessarily doesn't want to hang around us, maybe necessarily doesn't enjoy our company. We know that. You can all know that you're smart people in the room. Joseph knew that his brothers were not his biggest fan. <laughs> it says it. But Joseph gets a dream from heaven, a God dream. Truthfully, this is a dream and a vision from God. These, both these dreams were amazing, were scriptural, were, were what we're going to propel him in his future. But don't you just wonder what would have happened if he didn't go and tell him the dream right away? This is what I'm saying. This is how my brain works. What if he thinks, you know what, my brothers really don't like me, so maybe I should go restore a relationship before I start, go to start sharing a dream with them. Oh, that, we don't like to hear that. Maybe you have a dream in your heart that you're going to go do down the road, but you need to restore some relationships before God can use you. It's not in my notes. Maybe somebody needs to hear that. Maybe I need to restore some relationships before I can move forward in my future with what God has planned for me. Hello. Sorry, back to the notes. He was smart, but he didn't know the art of discernment. He not only shares one dream, but guess what? That dude goes back and shares dream number two. And they hated him all the more. He doesn't stop with his brothers. You know, when you're in a home, your family, you know the dynamic of a family. So the dad knew how he was. The dad knew who Joseph was and how he acted and how his brothers liked him. And then he goes and tells his parents the same dream. He didn't always just stop with his brothers. He went to his parents and said, oh, by the way, parents, parents. If I went to my parents and said this to them, you're going to bow down before me. Um, I'm not saying tomorrow. I'm not saying, it's just the truth. If I said, by the way, I had this amazing dream. And you're going to stand before me and you're going to bow down before me and feed me grapes as I lay at the pool. You guys got to know something. That's, maybe just the parents in the room can relate this. That, what, you're, no way. 
you're like, uh, I'm, I'm sorry, you're my son or my daughter? Uh, no, no, this isn't how this works. But God put the dream in Joseph. He put it in him so that he knew it and that he had it in him. But I just wonder if he didn't share it, if he had the moments of discernment to maybe say, there's a dream in me, but I got some stuff to do before I share this dream. There's dreams in you, but maybe you need to learn the art of discerning what this dream means. Maybe we need to learn the art of hearing and waiting. Receiving and waiting. Discernment's powerful. It can carry you to your future. But we got to learn the art of it. we got to understand how truly it works. This is something that I, I, I just want you to take away. You can write this down. The pit could have been prevented if the power of discernment preceded the propulsion of a dream. What's that called when you put a bunch of peas together? Alliteration? Yeah, I did it. <laughs> propulsion. You're like, do you even know what that means? Yes, I do. Pushing. Big boy words. <laughs> I had definitely looked up in the, the source and was like, what's another word for pushing? <laughs> Confession hour. Not that smart. That's powerful. The pit could have been prevented if the power of discernment preceded the propulsion of a dream. A dream came, maybe the pit could have been prevented if he just sat on it for a minute. If he didn't go tell the world about it. If he didn't go tell his brothers who hate him. If he just sat on the dream for a moment and said, God, what are you trying to say to me? God, I'm waiting upon you. This ties right into where we've just come through, waiting upon God to speak and to move. God, I will receive what you have for me. I will receive the dreams and future that you have for me. But right now, you've called me just to wait. I'll receive it. So I don't end up in a pit while my brothers are having a meal. I want to wait. I want you to wait. I think there's some people in this church that just need to say, you know what? I want to wait upon God so I don't end up in a place I shouldn't be. But it comes with discernment. It comes with the ability to judge what's going on, what's happening, what's around me, what is happening. But many of us become anxious about the dream or the promise. And we try to make it happen, do something about it, when all we do is lengthen the process. See, I, my brain goes to this, my heart. Joseph receives the dreams. He doesn't share it with anybody. He sits on it, he prays into it, prays into it, prays into it. Maybe he doesn't end up in the pit. Maybe those guys pass by his house. He's like, hey, well, I want to come with you to Egypt. Just maybe. This theologically might be all off. You guys are all like judging me, writing things down. No, I just wonder if maybe some other way he could have got to his destination and he didn't have to go through the pit. But stop pushing your dreams. Stop trying to make the things happen. Just wait on God because I promise what he gave to Joseph, we get the story. It came to be. Y'all know that. We'll get there. If you're, not, if you're visiting, the dream happened. What was dreamt? It actually happened. So God's dreams for you are going to happen. We need to ask the for the power of discernment to help us. The power of discernment can greatly increase us or the lack of it can decrease us. The power of discernment can bring us peace or the lack of it can bring us problems. The power of discernment can bring us clarity or the lack of it can bring chaos. The power of discernment can hold a God-sized God dream together. You got a dream in your heart? Discernment will help you hold it together. You got a calling on your life, discernment will help you stay in that call. Amen? This is truth. The power of discernment can prevent words that bring death to people that come out of your mouth or allow you to have words that bring life out of people. 
Oh, we got churches today that are speaking death over a bunch of people. We got a bunch of Christians that don't even know how to use discernment. They're just sharing whatever they want to share. They're gossiping. You know what's crazy about the church? <laughs> the amount of gossip that happens in a church. They know. The people that serve with us, they know. I don't want to hear it. I don't want to talk about it. If you have an issue, let's talk about it. If you have something going on with somebody, go talk. Gossip has destroyed churches. Gossip has destroyed, better yet, Christians, followers of Jesus. Because we use it as, well, I'm just, you know, I just need to bounce it off of some people. No, maybe you should go wait and figure out if it's even a real problem or something's really going on using the power of discernment before you share it with all your girlfriends or boyfriends, whatever you want to call them, guy friends. That was really awkward. <laughs> guy friends. Maybe you should just go sit and pray and wait before you share something. Because the world doesn't necessarily need what you have to say in that moment. My wife doesn't always need me to share something in the moment. I promise you, I'm learning this art. Pray for a brother. There are moments in our marriage where I just need to keep my mouth shut. Just shut up, JP. But it's discerning. It's knowing. Nope. Okay, now I can. Nope, nope. Check. Gut check. Heart check. Nope, nope. I'll wait. Discerning. Discernment. Three things that I think we can learn from Joseph. I've covered these a little bit, but I just want to, I really want to drive this home as we discover this the next couple weeks. Because this is, this is really one of the things that I believe Joseph needed to know because he was about to handle something so big. The kingdom of Egypt, so big. It was huge. It was the most powerful thing that was out there at that time. He was about to run it. But he couldn't run it if he didn't learn some of this stuff. First thing is this. When it comes to discernment, slow to speak, quick to listen. Oh, it's scriptural. James 1.19 says this. Hey, my friends, my dear friends, people that I love. That's why I'm telling you this news as well. James writes it to the church. My dear friends. He uses that language. We discovered James a few months back. He says, my friends, my close brothers and sisters, the people that I love, let us be quick to speak and slow to listen. Everyone's like, you screwed that up. No, intentionally I did. He says, let us be slow to speak. Let's be really quick to listen. Let's be so eager to just keep our mouth quiet and open up our ears to what God may have to say even more, even greater. Being slow to speak and quick to listen, you, you, you can interpret the dream with God before you need to go have others interpret it for you. Oh, that's good. I needed to hear that. See, when you're, when you're more in line and in tune with just saying, you know what, I'll just, and I'll listen. There's dreams and, and desires in your hearts and plans for your future that God's placed in you. But you don't need other people going to confirm it. You don't need other people going to tell you, yeah, 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 no, no. You just need to sit and you need to wait and you need to know that God has you. God wants you to hear from him first. Now, I'm going to get to another point. I'm going to cover something. So everyone's like, so you don't believe in counsel? No, nope, not true at all. We'll get there. I promise you. But before you go seek out, before you go run, before you go, just sit. 
Say, God, what do you have to say to me? What more do you have to say to me in this moment? What else can I learn about this dream and this call that you placed on my life? I want to know more, God. I'm desperate to know more. Because I don't want to move if you haven't called. I don't want to step if you haven't said go. But you know what we do, what I do, the complete opposite. And James, and even in the story of Joseph, it's saying, hold tight, hold steady. You know, I, I, I'm, a, I'm a guy where I get excited about things. You know, that's my family, that's my wife, and when I get something and I get excited about it, I, come, I, I used to run and just be like, here's it all, everything, all, word vomit. But over these years, as I've had to grow in leadership, call it like it is, I've had to learn the, the essence of really just saying, you know what? I don't need to tell everybody what's going on in my heart with God. I don't need to share all the trials that I'm facing right now with everybody. I don't need to share everything that God's speaking to me right now. I just need to hear from God even more. I need clarity. We don't pray for clarity enough as a church. I challenge you this week. If anything else, pray for clarity. Clarity of heart, clarity of mind. Ask God, make it clear to me what you're trying to say. Break through my walls, break through the garbage, break through everything. I want to hear clear from you. I want to know your voice more than anything. We have a church and a generation of followers of Jesus that don't hear the Spirit of God's voice. You know why? We're talking all the time. Oh, we're in a generation. I mean, God, let's, let's face it. We're in a generation today that is so fast. Everything comes at you so hard. We have that information to anything at the tip of our fingertips. Like, we have it right there. It's like you don't even need to wait for anything else. Breaking news is right there. It's, it's the nature and the way that the world is today. And God doesn't operate in that way. Can I just say that? His timing is perfect. And sometimes he's just like, hey, listen, JP. Maybe this is how he just speaks to me. Maybe I just needed the sermon. He's like, JP, do you trust me? Okay, we've established that. We've established that you trust me. Now just sit and listen to me. Just receive what I have to say to you. Don't. Don't worry about what everybody else is doing, what everybody else is saying. Don't worry about where they're going, what they're discovering. Don't, don't, do you trust me? He's asking you that. Do you trust me? Do you trust me to speak to you? Do you trust me to give you the plans that I have for you? Do you trust me? Then let me keep building your faith up. Let me keep equipping you. Because I'm telling you right now, what's ahead for you, if you don't learn this, if we don't learn this, you're not going to be ready for it. Oh, God, give me a bright future, a hope, uh, just an amazing future. I'll be, uh, no, you won't. You won't be ready for it. You won't be ready for it, I promise. And he wants people that are ready for it. He needs, better yet, Jesus needs some people today more than ever to be ready. Second thing is this. Hold a dream close to you. Others might not like it. Hold a dream close to you. Others might not like it. Not everything God tells you in your heart, you need to go tell people. Vertical correspondent. Doesn't need horizontal confirmation right away. Let me say that again. Vertical correspondent doesn't need horizontal confirmation right away. Now let me say what I was going to say, because some of the people are like, so you don't believe in counsel? No, that's not true at all. There is counsel and wisdom and seeking out from many people. I told you guys many times before, I have five, six, seven individuals that I call every time there's a major decision in the church. Is this true? Yes. So I believe in the counsel of men. I believe in people saying, hey, is this a good move or is this not a good move? Hey, am I on the right track or am I on the wrong track? I believe in counsel and seeking out wisdom from people that are a lot smarter, a lot closer to God than I am. Amen? 
So seek wisdom out at times, right? Confirm it. But at the most point, sometimes maybe I just need to sit on it. I don't need to pick up the phone right away and call my dad. I don't need to be like, I heard this amazing thing. Dad, what do you think? Because then I share with him, and he's like, wait, so what? I'm like, I don't even know. I don't have clarity on it yet. I don't even know why I called you. And he's like, for money? Well, yes, the church needs money. Can you give? But the dream sometimes that God's placed in you, you know what it might do to people? It might push them away. It might scare them. It might be too radical that they're like, you're crazy, I'm out. The dream of planting a church in Chicago, you know how many people told us, don't do it. Don't do it. Because we were so eager. What are you guys doing? We're church planners. <laughs> we're so excited. And they would look at us and go, you're too young. You won't accomplish it. It's going to fail. Do you know the percentage of churches that fail in Chicago? 87% of churches fail in Chicago. Did anybody else know that? No, I found out a lot of times from a lot of people. Thank you for that amazing encouragement. Guess what? We'll be a part of the, what is it, 13% that make it. Amen. Jesus said this church is going to come into existence. It's going to move. But you know what? Maybe I just needed to hold that dream a little bit closer. Maybe I didn't need to share it with everybody in the whole world right away. Because guess what happens when people start to look at your dream and they start to say things about your dream and they start to tell you that your dream's never going to come to existence? Guess what starts to happen to us? We get rattled. We get shaken. And we say, oh, wait, maybe this wasn't from God. Maybe this dream that I had and the things that I was called to do, maybe this wasn't. Is this? Is this? Is this? And we start backing ourselves up into a corner. And God all along is saying, no, I, I put that dream inside of you. I put that dream in you. I give you your dreams. I've called it for you. But guess what? When you don't sit and wait before God, your faith isn't built up. And so when you share your dreams with other people, if they don't agree with it, we get shaken. He needs some people in this world, some followers of Jesus to say, no, I know the dreams and purposes that God has for me. I will share them with people when needed and to seek counsel when I know, for me, I have a tight grip on what God's called me to do. Joseph didn't do it. Joseph received the dream, shared it. Received another dream, shared it. He had two shots. Two chances. I believe that scripture, two chances to try to maybe say, you know what, maybe I shouldn't share the second dream. They're already pretty ticked off about the first one. I'll share the second one. You know what, I'll just share the second one. And they hated him all the more. They hated him all the more. Hold on to the dream. Keep it close. Third thing is this, and we're going to sing and we're going to pray. What God has called you to do, he will bring it into existence. Well, that's the, that's the good news out of all this message. See, what he called us to do, and we're not perfect, Rachel and I, you guys know this, but it's just the example that we're living in today. What he's called us to do, he's doing it. People said to us, because we shared our dream often too far too, too, to too many people, to people that weren't going to encourage us to build us up in our dreams. Maybe that's what you need to hear too. I didn't say that. When you go to share your dream with some people, make sure you're sharing it to the right people. Amen. Make sure you're telling the right people because the people that are right will go, man, yes, that's a God-sized dream. And he's called it. I see it. I see it. But he called it. He called Joseph to go lead a, a major, major thing in Egypt. And he saw it through, even though Joseph landed in a pit. A pit. You know, what's, what's Joseph thinking about in that pit? Anybody ever think about that? What's he thinking I wonder if I was in the pit, if I'm thinking, 
you know what, I should have just maybe, just maybe not shared the second dream. <laughs> First one was fine, second one, too far. But maybe, just maybe, God, if I just waited a little longer for you to speak a little bit clearer to me, just maybe I wouldn't be here right now. But then I feel like he flips the script for a little bit. He understands, he says he has a reconciliation with God that, you know what, I missed the moment to use discernment, I missed it, God forgive me. And then he hears God's voice again and says, I got plans for you. I got plans for you. You're in a pit. You almost basically put yourself in that pit. But I got plans for you. I got a future for you. I still got everything that I've called you to do, to do it. Just are you willing to say, you know what, God, I learned from this. I discovered your truth in this. I want to be closer to you. I want to be more like you. I want to learn from this. And Jesus says to him, God looks down to him, just my way of thinking, and he says, all right, I'll still use you. Come on, let's get you out of the pit. Let's put you on some, some camels, and let's get you on the way to Egypt. See, the pit wasn't the, the destination for Joseph. He knew that. But he put himself in the pit. But our God, full of grace, full of mercy, full of love, looks down to him in a pit and says, Joe, I love you. Come on, let's get you out of this pit. You didn't use discernment. You didn't seek out my wisdom. You didn't seek out the wisdom from heaven to make this, this move. It's all right. I'm still going to carry you towards it. That doesn't cheapen grace, people. So you're like, I'll do whatever I want. God's going to kick me out of the pit. No. Don't hear me on that. If anything, I think that Joseph probably looks back on that moment in his life as he's sitting in the palace, and he goes, how dumb was I? Thank God that he forgave me. Thank God that he restored me. Thank God that he continued to pour out his grace and his truth and his wisdom. And now I have discernment right now to lead a kingdom. Thank God. God, you're good, man. I don't, you know what? I'll learn from that mistake. I'll learn from that past. I'll learn from that pit. I don't want to go back to that pit. I don't want to end up in that pit. I want discernment, God, above all else. I want wisdom, oh God, above all else. I want to know what you have to say to me. I don't need others to confirm it. I don't need others to tell me where to go in life. I want to know your plan for my life. I don't want to go in the pit. I want your plan. I don't want to be in the pit. I want to go where you've called me to go. Followers of Jesus, we got to make some decisions to start saying, you know what? We need to use some discernment. God, give me discernment. You know what it says? When you ask for wisdom and discernment, he wants to pour it out on you. He wants to give it to you. That's why I pray for it all the time, because that's one thing that scripture says. He literally wants to just, here, take it. You're asking for it, take it. So I think tonight, I'm going to pray for you. I'm going to pray that God gives you discernment and wisdom, a heart of discernment. Because the city of Chicago needs some people that make some discerning decisions. The people of Chicago need, to, need you to step in and say, you know what, I got some wisdom here to share. I got some things here to share because I've been so close with my father and my dad that I know without a shadow of doubt that this is the point that you brought me, God, and it's time for me to share. So bow your heads and close your eyes. This is nothing hoopla. We're not going to dance and sing. We're not going to do anything. This is just a moment, I think. A moment for us to receive some, some supernatural discernment and some wisdom and some insight to make some decisions that we need to make as individuals, as a couple, as a family. To, to, to really have God's insight into the dreams and the plans that he's called us. You're, no one's too old or too young to receive this.
No one's too far gone and made too many decisions to not receive this tonight. He is eager to pour it out when we ask. We all need it. So as I pray over you, I just, I just ask you to, to, to lift your hands and open up your hands to receive this. Jesus, tonight, we want your discernment, Father. We want your heart, God. Father, we want ears that are so eager to listen. God, we want a heart that is so in tune with your spirit, God. That, Father, when we hear you speak, when we hear you direct, God, we will know it's your voice. We will know, God, that you are in it. God, I pray for a spirit of discernment to fall on our people, oh God. That, God, they won't move in life. They won't go in life until they know, God, that you've spoken to them. God, in this, in this moment, I pray a release of control off of people, God. God, I pray that control is laid at the altar, God, and they take upon your control, Father, what you have in store for them, God. That they can discern your plans. That they can know the future that you have for them. God, I just pray for clarity of heart, God, and of mind. God, whether they have decisions to make to, to where to go for a job or, or what's next in life or what move needs to happen, God, I pray for clarity, oh God. God, I pray for clarity as people are discovering their talents and abilities and what they're called to do, God. No matter how old, no matter how young they are, God, decisions for their future, God, rest upon this. And God, we ask for clarity of mind, Holy Spirit. God, when we get your discernment, when we get your clarity, we know, God, and we can declare, God, that you are in control. That we can lift our hands to heaven. That we can rejoice and we can praise you knowing that while we wait, God, you're still speaking to us. While we wait upon you, God, you are in control, oh God. So, Father, I pray that we won't land in the pit. God, that we won't rest in the pit. That we will go forward with your promise, with your future. Because, God, you are worthy of it and you've called it. So, Father, tonight we declare, God, that we want to be people that hear your voice. That heed your wisdom. That heed your discernment, God. That we make decisions, oh God. Father, we surrender it all to you, Jesus. We trust you. We believe in you. We praise you. We honor you. It's in Jesus' name.